Welcome back to the Florida Travel Fanatics Podcast. I'm Clark. I'm Heather. Welcome to episode five. This episode, we'll be talking about one of our favorite topics in Florida for travel, and that's taking a cruise from Florida. We're going to give you all the tips, trick, tips, tricks, and ideas of things that we've done and seen and research that we've done. So when you, a lot of cruises will be from Florida, so it's a great chance to travel, and we'll talk more about that specifically in the main part of the episode. Um, in the major news in Florida this week, the um, Artemis One rocket launch was delayed. If you listen to our last podcast, it was specifically about watching a rocket launch from Kennedy Space Center. And one of our key takeaways from that is you got to be flexible with the planning. So we recorded that episode on a Sunday, and that published yesterday. But in the middle of that, on Monday morning at 8.30 in the morning with thousands of people parked watching, waiting to watch the Artemis One rocket take off. It didn't take off. They scrubbed the launch three minutes before the launch window opened due to a, a technical glitch with one of the fuel tanks. Uh, they have announced that uh, it's supposed to go again maybe this Friday, which is four days later. By the time we post this, it may already be in the air, hopefully. It's a 43-day mission around way around the dark side of the moon, as Pink Floyd would say. Um, but the, as a good example, for <laughs> we just had just talked about launch, launch windows and things getting messed up, and they had a big oops, and it was a little bit of egg on their face considering the, the stature of, of this new mission starting up. So, uh, But again, hey, if you had traveled for – set up a whole week to be in Florida – and, you know, you're there from Sunday to month to Friday or Saturday. You could still catch the launch this week, potentially, if it goes off on Friday. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, the Wall Street Journal's um, actually blaming Florida for flight delays. They say that um, because we have bad weather, rocket flights. Rocket flights. Military flights, because we do have some military bases down here. Um those delays, storms, things like that. So apparently it's all our fault. The Wall Street Journal is blaming the us. The Wall Street Journal is blaming us. Blaming um, Florida. One of the other things is that um, the delays, weather delays, whether it's a rocket going off, there, you know, there are airspaces here that they can't fly through or they're going to go around storms. Those delays actually affect staffing and use up the valuable hours of the flight attendants, and they can only go for so long. So when those flights are delayed, then then there's a shortage of... It's downstream, it's yeah, bad. Yeah, it just goes downstream. Yeah. But the article was funny because it's like, blame Florida. Blame Florida for all the air travel issues. Because yeah. I guess every airline flies to Florida. Right. One interesting thing I read in this article, and I hadn't known it before, was that not all aircraft is equipped to fly over water. And because Florida is just a gigantic peninsula... Not every plane can just veer off into the Gulf or, you know, go it's around. It's, a, it's a narrow peninsula, just kind of like just a like highway during rush hour. 75 so, or 95 in exactly. the year, basically. Um, but in spite of travel dilemmas and that the Wall Street Journal is blaming us, yes. um, the Miami Airport put out a um, an announcement that they're on track for record number of passengers in 2022. Even though the Wall Street Journal blames us for being... Exactly. Miami so has I, record passengers. I think we're okay. But probably record delays to I go with it. we're okay. And also, this is great news, especially for this podcast, is that the air, uh, the cruise lines are lifting some of the COVID requirements. Yay! Yay, finally. Um, you need to look up um, for a specific cruise line, what you know, whatever cruise line you're going on, and as well as where you're going. Because it used to be that you couldn't be on a cruise at all if you were unvaxxed. Now the different locations are requiring different things. Bermuda, in fact, is requiring you to have travel insurance that might pay for any medical problems that you might have. And we'll talk about that later in our list. But 
And that's that's kind of weird. You think, okay, it's okay to come get COVID, but you better be able to pay for it. Well, I think, you know... Small the, island, you know. I think the time is over for the burden of caring for everyone who has COVID falling on, you know, there has to be a stop somewhere. Right. So they're just putting, you know, I mean, if you don't want, if you're not vaccinated, which is totally your fine thing... You might not go to Bermuda, but there are other places that you can go. Right. So, but my point is just check. That's a travel yeah. news. COVID is not a big issue. Yeah. Right now. A year ago, to Heather's point, you know, they were, you could travel unvaccinated, you could travel on, on a cruise, but they made it so difficult and so costly, they basically weren't letting you do it. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much had to be vaccinated only. Some cruises were vax only, uh, and people still got COVID, even when they're vaccinated, it still happens. Uh, now that's it's much less so, um, and you, you might be looking at a forty-eight hour, seventy-two hour test that you have to submit ahead of time or take when you get there. So that's still um, something you'd go through, but it's much better than it was, and much less expensive, and much less hassle than it was a year mm-hmm. ago. And it's that's still a moving target that will probably improve. And cruise lines have, and the ports are going to have the authority to make additional decisions. So it's the CDC guidelines plus the cruise's policy, but that's very that's changing. You know, on a pretty pretty regular basis. So just to check into it. Follow the guidelines. Don't screw yourself up trying to get on board ship and you haven't had your test. And you're gonna have a test in a port, and you had to do that in an airport in Europe recently, and that was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> save yourself that trouble when you're uh, when you're traveling. And speaking of, of cruising, uh, a good travel tip I came across lately is you know, you say you come back from your cruise, you get off your ship at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday, and you're gonna stay where you are for the next for the day and then maybe fly out that night. Most of the time in the US, the cheapest flights are the very first flights in the morning, like 7 a.m. and then the flights like at nine or 10 o'clock at night. Um, so uh, what do you do with your luggage? So there's a couple services in Florida and around the country where you can store your luggage for uh, by the hour or by the day. One is called Bounce. Bounce is typically, you go to their webpage. I'll put the link to their webpage in the show notes, the episode notes. The Bounce service is typically a UPS store, which is the United Parcel Service, which is a private shipping company. So in their retail stores, you can go in and buy packing materials and ship things. They cl- the only caveat there is they close at 630 so if you're going to try to go out somewhere, our cruises, our, our flights at 10, we'll pick up our bags at 7.30. Now they're close. So just make make sure you pay attention to that. And generally, it's a dollar per hour per bag or $6 per day. And you can, leave, you can leave them with them overnight if you just don't want to deal with your bags or maybe you just want to have a backpack. That's a good place, good way to store it. Uh, there's another one called Luggage Hero, which is much more common in Miami and, and Miami Beach in the Miami area. Those are different kinds of businesses that use the Luggage Hero we saw that when we were down there last time. Those will typically close at 7 or 8 a little later, but make sure when you check in that you know what time they close. Because if you you can screw yourself up by missing your bags and leaving your bags in Miami, which would not be good. Another travel tip to consider, especially when you're flying uh, for a cruise maybe to, to Fort Lauderdale or Miami, um, in many cases, especially in the winter, you can get cheaper flights to Miami or Fort Lauderdale airports, two different airports, because they're so close together and there's a lot more competition for the routes down there. Uh, we've seen the rates in the winter be half of what they are to Fort Lauderdale or Miami versus, especially Fort Lauderdale versus uh, maybe going to Tampa, which can be you know quite a bit more expensive in the wintertime. And when you're planning a cruise, which we'll talk about more in a few minutes, you know, if you're flying with family of in a way, even if there's just two people or a family of three or four or five, the airfare is a big, you know, potentially a big factor. And sometimes some of the cruise lines will actually give you free flights or discount flights, which is part of figuring it out. But um, but if you're coming in the wintertime, floor, uh, especially in the winter, you know, look at those two airports, compare the two rates. There'll be different airlines, but uh, sometimes getting on Expedia or, or one of the third-party sites is helpful to compare flights a little bit easier. Uh, 
saw a special deal today. Last week we, we, we talked about, last episode we talked about visiting the, the Kennedy Space Center. Well, kids are normally, kids 3 to 11 are normally $65 a day, but for the month of September, they're actually free. So I think that's an off-season probably. Kids are back at school. So if you've got the luxury to travel with your kids, maybe you're homeschooling or you've got some time off or over a weekend, uh, you can really save some money and take your kids to the Space Center. You do have to buy the tickets ahead of time online. So they, do that. They may exclude launch dates, and uh, the tickets need to be, like you said, online. But yeah, you're going to save mm-hmm. $65. $65 a kid. You take, we, we have three children, and when they were growing up, we used to always say five times anything is a lot of money. You know, five times 60, or, or three times 65 is almost two, is $195. Uh, that saves a lot of money. Uh, when you're on, you're on vacation, so that's something to take advantage of. And if you live local uh, to, the, to that area, that's even better. All right, now on to our main topic. So we love talking about cruises. So we want to talk. We we planned this out. We thought, okay, there are a lot of people that we personally know in the U.S. Our friends of ours have never been on a cruise, and there's probably plenty of you who on this podcast maybe you're listening from other countries, and you, or you just never been on a cruise. Now, let's be clear: Florida is not the only place. Hardly the only place in the world to take to get a cruise. You can get great cruises from Europe. In the U.S., even you can pick up cruises in New Orleans. We did that once, Galveston, Texas. Um, you know, California, uh, Hawaii. You can do cruises in the Northeast. Uh, the Alaska cruises are supposed to be phenomenal. Everybody I know who's taken an Alaska cruise has just raved about it. About you can take cruises out of New York City, Baltimore. Anywhere on the coast of Florida, there are um, there are five crew, cruise ports in Florida: um, Miami, uh, Port Everglades, which is actually in Fort Lauderdale, Port Canaveral, which is the closest one to Orlando, Jacksonville, and Tampa. And there will be different cruise lines going in to different places. In Tampa, you're mostly going to the Western Caribbean: Costa Maya, Cozumel, Roatan, Honduras, and Belize. Uh, Tampa is a smaller port. Um, they can only handle like mid-sized ships because we have the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, and you have to be able to go under that. Yeah, the big ships won't clearance. do it. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing happens in Baltimore with cruise ships coming out of Baltimore. That's to go under the, the, the Bay Bridge. And yeah. that, that's a common trip to Bermuda, which we, we know some friends have done that. That's, that's supposed to be a great cruise. Our kids did a trip with their grandparents, and they thought it was the best thing to stand under stand at the top of the ship and look up at the bridges that they were going by. And it looks like there's not much clearance, but there's more, of course there there's is. more than but you think. But that's the closest you're ever going to get to the bottom of a mega, mega bridge. bridge. Yeah. That you drive over a lot. Right. Um, one of the interesting thing we found, especially with us living in Tampa is that uh, the, uh, the cruise lines, their biggest cost is fuel. That's their single more than labor, more than food costs. Um, they, so for being that, they try to optimize how, how they use fuel and how they position ships. For that reason, Tampa, and Tampa's on the west coast of Florida, on the Gulf Coast, nearly all, not all, but nearly all cruises from Tampa go to the Western Caribbean, which is basically the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, Heather mentioned that, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it makes sense when you think about the fuel costs. Yeah, well, those ports are good. I did see a couple, uh, today that are, um, Eastern Caribbean. Um, that you can go to the Bahamas and do that. Go to Bimini on a short trip from Tampa. That's that's an option too. But generally speaking, if you're going to East East Caribbean, um, then you know if you're going from Miami or Fort Lauderdale, then you're typically going to go to St. Thomas or San Juan or St. Martin, and even further south. Further south can also get you out out away from some of the hurricane issues that you might encounter uh, during the, the fall cruises. Um, we actually did a cruise to Cuba. We went to Key West and Cuba. 
which was fantastic. We happened, they, they, the government, federal government turned those off about three years ago. Uh, we won't get into the politics of that. That's not what our podcast is for. But we, we came back on a Saturday, had a great time in Cuba for a day and a half. Really an amazing place. I think we might even do a, when it opens back up, I think we'll do a podcast episode just about cruising to Cuba because that's, that's worth a whole podcast all by itself. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, and then we got back on Saturday and then in, in the following Tuesday, when the, the next set of cruises were already out, they, uh, they canceled it. So people that thought they were getting on a Cuban cruise they didn't get to go. So when planning your cruise, you'll want to consider several factors. Um, where do you want to depart from? And some of that might be what the airfare is to get to a particular port. Um, you'll have the most options by far from Miami. Um, and the Miami cruise terminal is the largest in the world. It's near uh, Miami Beach. Um, so you have some things to do before your cruise, after your cruise, and uh, you can enjoy a little bit more of Florida when you um, disembark. One of the other um, items that you're going to think about is where do you want to go? Um, the best time of year to go. We had a Christmas cruise um, several years ago, which was amazing. And that was less expensive than a New Year's cruise. And Clark, do you want to explain what shoulder season is? Yeah, thank you, Heather. Shoulder, that you've, a term you'll hear in the cruise industry, or cruise industry, or if you search what's the cheapest time of year, best time of year to go on cruise, is shoulder season, which is really the, their slow season for the cruise lines. And that's really after the summer's over mm-hmm. for the most part, September, October, maybe even into the first half of November before Thanksgiving. And the holidays. Um, and the holidays. You can even kind of pick it up to first week or two of December that's not holidays. And I even saw things that said, you know, May is a great time to go. They consider that's the, kind of the spring um, shoulder season. What is interesting is that, I mean, that's you're definitely going to get your best rates uh, during that because most people don't go. And there are a lot of people that are concerned about hurricanes. Uh, and that question comes up a lot. And I did some additional research on that to get ready for this podcast. And one thing that's interesting is that the cruise lines are very good at, at getting around them, working around them. They have very advanced weather systems and lots and lots of information from their own cruise lines. They can outrun a cruise, uh, sorry, outrun a, outrun a cruise, outrun a hurricane. Hurricanes run about six miles an hour. Cruise ships can go like 25 miles an hour. And they'll, um, probably the worst thing that happens is you end up going to a different port than you were planning on. So you might end up in, you know, a bad hurricane, you might, well, we're going to Bermuda, everybody, let's go. You know, you're cruising to Bermuda for a day and a half each way, and two days in Bermuda, whatever. So as long as you're flexible. The cruise lines won't generally let you cancel a cruise just because, oh, there's a hurricane coming, I want to cancel my cruise. They'll, they'll tell you to work around it. Um, if they have to shorten it, for some reason, you get a refund. And sometimes they get extended, depending on what can happen, too. So as long as you're willing to kind of, you know... It's not even a risk. Just consider it. Um, frankly, the savings the savings are worth it all by itself and the extra benefits you get from cruising because they give you more freebies and good things and there's less people on board. And it's really the weather's better. It's really just a better time to cruise. So whether or not your cruise is extended or shortened by any kind of weather, which is usually unlikely, one of the biggest questions that you're going to want to ask yourself is um, how long do you want to cruise? Um, you can do a three-day weekend cruise to the Bahamas. Um, some of those are called booze cruise which is a lot of fun a lot of fun (laughs) actually yeah it's a blast Um, it's shorter it's um you don't have to buy any alcohol on the ship it's included in your in your price there's a lot of bachelorette parties and bachelor weekends and but even saying that you can find some great quiet places on you know anywhere on the ship and it doesn't have to be quite a party if that's not your style. 
but we had a wonderful time. We took a daughter for a 21st birthday and that was, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, we left on a Friday morning and got back on a Monday morning and she just went off to, um, her college classes. Yeah, <laughs> so, right back to school. Right back she to was school. Going to school nearby. Yeah, back on um, Most cruises are six or seven days, but you can find some that are four, 10, 12, 14 or more. Um, if you've got the time, you can take something called a repositioning cruise. And that means that they're taking the ship from one location, one port to the next. There aren't as many stops necessarily in between, but it's cheaper and usually a lot of time at sea, which we absolutely love. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, Heather. I mean, we're when you look at a cruise itinerary, you tend to look at it and go, oh, it's going, it starts here, it's going here, it's going here. It's, you know, usually on a seven day cruise, you'll have four four ports to go into. Um, but coming and going, you, you usually have an at-sea day. And frankly, I think we like the at-sea days when you're just on the ship more than we like the days that we're in port. Uh, the ship has typically, the ships are very good. The ships are basically floating casinos, restaurants, bars, entertainment complexes. The cruise people are very good at making sure you have a good time, whether it's a, a poker tournament or a Trivia contest somewhere. Or a pub crawl. Pub. We did a pub crawl <laughs> on Sunday. We got on a cruise. That was fun to see all the bars on the ship. I think it was 20 bucks, and uh, we, we kind of made out on that deal. Of course, their gig there is they're trying to make sure you know where all the bars are so you know where to go to spend money on, on alcohol because that's a big profit center I mean, uh, for one them. Of, one of the things, too, that you'll want to consider is a mega ship or a smaller ship. I mean, a mega ship is 3,000 plus. 4,000. 4,000 guests. Yeah, they're big. The, Smaller ships are maybe a thousand to two thousand. Is that about right? Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, fifteen hundred to two. I think it's like two thousand for the small and like thirty five hundred, depending on the ship. And, and there's some massive ones that are being built too. And a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the reasons you'll take a smaller ship is destination. I mean the the piers and the docking is different in every yeah, in like every area. like Havana for example is kind of unusual, but Havana can't take a. a can barely take a medium-sized ship. The port's so old and so outdated. So they're not going to, it's not, and, it's, and the big, big ships are just too deep draft uh, to bring those, that size ship in. Um, I personally prefer, so the big ships have a lot more to do on them. There's a lot more on board. It is harder to find your way around it. Getting to a, you know, getting on a ship is like the first day at a new school or something. Like you got to kind of figure out, okay, where's my room? Where's the elevators? Where do I eat? Where's this place? Where's that place? And the smaller the ship, the faster you figure it out. So they generally have a lot of the same things, right? There's always a casino. There's always specialty dining. There's always shops. There's always whatever. Um, Heather, you prefer small, uh, smaller, medium-sized ships, I should say. I do. I like the medium-sized ships. I think there's plenty to do. I don't feel like I'm not a huge fan of large crowds. So to me, a medium-sized ship is is the best way to go. And I, we've never been on a ship that hasn't been, even the smaller, older ships have been renovated and they're great. One of the things as far as finding yourself, finding your way around is that it's not typical to be able to walk from the bow all the way to the stern of the ship. There's usually a stairway that you have to go down and then back up. Um, and of course there are elevators and things like that, but the longer the ship, the bigger the ship, the more I mean, it's like being in a Las Vegas hotel and realizing you left something in, in your room and down at the pool and <laughs> you just had to kind of have to learn your way around. Um, I do definitely like the smaller ships. 
Yeah, I think your parents, your parents have cruised a lot. They prefer smaller ships. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the bigger ships with some of the amenities you tend to get. You know, that's just personal preference. But I could go either way. Like um, sometimes there's something that's, I don't know, a little more romantic or something about the midsize ships. So yeah. somebody, you know, uh, that's some, some, and that's fun to try different ones and see which ones you like. Well, when when you're trying to decide what ports you want to visit, um, we've, we've gone on cruises that we've duplicated some of our ports. Um, Nassau is probably our least favorite, and most people will agree it's, it's, very uh, commercialized, very touristy. Very touristy. Um, but you don't have to get off the ship. In fact, there are times we've stayed on the ship and just and the ship empties off. So it's a great day to walk around, just be on board, and the, be ship. On board the ship. Yeah, and, and, the, and it, things on board the ship like that. When other people are off the ship, like you can get a, easily get a chase lounge chair at the pool, which can be hard at, at sea days. Space in the gym, space to sit down and have lunch in a dining room. Um, so there's a lot, lot to like about sometimes about staying on the, on the ship. We're fans of St. Thomas, uh, St. Thomas. If you can t- get to St. John for the day trip, that's fun too. Um, we actually took Christmas Eve, we took the sky right up to the top of St. John and looked out over the island and had a Christmas tree up there. That was really cool. Um, we, we've been scuba diving in Cosmo, Mexico and in Belize. The, the diving and snorkeling in Cosmo is unbelievable. Uh, just the fish and the drift diving, and you know we can do a whole episode just about scuba and things. Uh, but if you want to, if you want to do a snorkel trip, definitely go or scuba dive. If Cosme, if you wanted something to do in Cosmel, that's a Western Caribbean trip. That's definitely something I would, we would recommend. And just a little tip too: if you have snorkeled before and you have your own snorkel, bring it with you. It's super easy to pack, and generally the ones you're going to get. Uh, even if you buy one before you before you cruise, they're going to have a little cap on the top. They're going to be a little longer. I think you'll have a better experience if you um, bring your own snorkel. Yeah, and I'll put an affiliate link, uh, an Amazon link, to show you one that we like. Uh, they've really advanced even beyond what we have. We could probably use an upgrade, too. And snorkels are very small to pack in a bag and take with you. I, I wouldn't take a mask or fins, even though we have those. I wouldn't take those with me, just that they're just too bulky in your bag and take up too much room. But we were in Hawaii on a trip and ended up snorkeling. And the ones they had on the boat, the, the end is open. Waves are going in there. You're choking on seawater. Uh, they're too short. You know, it's t- for 20 bucks or less. It's nice just to have your own snorkel. And then you can use it at other times, too. Well, the one I got sidetracked, but the one last thing that we wanted to talk about for uh, picking your cruise is what kind of cabin do you want? The first time we cruised, we had an inside cabin, which means there are no windows, no portholes, no balconies. And if you're a college student, it's a great it's a great spot because you can just go in and it's nice and cool and dark. But the only the caveat to that is that you feel like you're going to sleep the day away. You wake up, you have no idea what you time it is. You have no idea what time is it, it is. 4 a.m. or is it 10 a.m.? And there is a lovely, very slight motion to the ship. So if you you know, know you're a little susceptible to that, just get some Dramamine or a wrist um, pressure um, wrist thing. <laughs> what do they call yeah. it? Thing. Yeah, the thing for, for seasickness. Um, so the inside cabins can be good or bad, but they're definitely cheaper. Um, some rooms have windows. I don't think there are little portholes anymore, are there? There's still some. Oh, there's, there's still they're, some, they're, but you're getting pretty little, low but, but by the time you get. And they call them portholes, but they're really big round windows. Right. Because we've had those. We've had those, too. Right. There, there can be a tendency with a room to think, oh, I like a hotel. I'm not going to be there very long or much, which can be true. But if you have a balcony, we, we have had a uh, cabin with a balcony before. Uh, it's nice to sit out there. You can get room service breakfast brought to your room at no charge and sit out there and enjoy the balcony or sit out with a cup of coffee or glass of wine or whatever and just enjoy looking at the ocean. It's nice. One thing we did learn about having a balcony and we 
it turned out that we had chosen correctly is that some ships have smoking a cigar lounge or a smoking section that you can smoke. Find out when you're choosing your room which side that the um, smoking section is on. Because if you have a if you have a balcony below the, the cigar lounge, or something. Yeah. you may end up having that blowing. The cruise lines seem to have tightened that up, but it's one of those criteria when you're picking your, your room. Like, don't have it next to the discotheque. Mm-hmm. All those good things, or near an area where the people are smoking, but you're not supposed to smoke on your balcony balcony at all, which is nice. Right, that doesn't affect people that are so we don't have a smoking right. neighbor. So larger year. ships also have an inner courtyard, um, kind of like a hotel looking down into a courtyard. So that's also another option for a room with light coming right, in. Right, and then some people I think like that energy of kind of being on the inner courtyard and people watching and kind of looking down over that. It's very resort-like. Okay, so let's move on, Heather, to our top. We have top 10, top, sorry, top 12 tips and tricks. Um, some of this is for first-time cruisers. Some of this is, uh, some of you have experienced travelers will appreciate some of these. Um, if you're a first-time cruiser, we recommend using a cruise travel agent. Now, full disclosure, we've never used a cruise travel agent, but, but you in the love process, to plan trips. I love to plan the trips, and we've done enough cruises that we um, we feel like we know where we want to go. We like we probably like Norwegian the best of the cruise line of the two. We've been on Norwegian and Royal Caribbean, um, but if you've never cruised before, you're not sure where you want to go. Yeah, def- the cruise travel agents are specialists in cruise travel. It, you will rarely pay. You won't typically pay anymore. The cruise lines give them a commission. You don't have to pay them. Um, if or if you find some that are twenty five or thirty bucks, the advice on a three or four or five thousand dollar vacation is well worth it. Especially if you're looking at like the luxury lines. You know, do you want to be on Princess? Do you want to be on the other? You know, the fancy ones. Some of those are. You know, the demographics are different. Like Carnival is kind of a party boat. Some of the Princess cruises and others are more of an old, are an older crowd. So depending on what you like, what kind of vacation you want, that information can be valuable and maybe prevent you from picking the wrong cruise line. Well, one thing too, if I can add that we found that cruising is a terrific multi-generational uh, vacation. We cruised as a family several years ago and we had um, my parents, we had my sisters, we had their children all the way down. So we had, I guess, from 70 to... Yeah, to 10. 10? Yeah, yeah, about 8 or 10. Probably 13 of us, I think. Plenty of things for everyone to do. We would usually find each other outside during breakfast on you know, on the on the deck. And we would kind of talk, and then we would go, all go our separate ways. And we just had a plan to meet for dinner every night. Yeah. But everybody did something different, which was yeah, terrific. Yeah, like your mom liked to go to the library and read. I like to go to the casino. You know, mm-hmm. roll the dice, get on the craps table, whatever, or whatever, whatever the case is. Um, the eating on, on cruise is a lot of fun. Expect to gain a little bit of weight, but it's vacation. So why not? That's the time to, to have a good time. So yeah, if you haven't, uh, you ever used an agent for it, uh, you can find the travel agents on with links from the cruise lines website, which is interesting. And I'll put a couple of those in the show notes. So you can click on those if you want to look around, and look for an agent. So number 11, and we've talked about this before for travel insurance for whether you have, you're sick before you go or you, um, there's a hurricane or whatever it is that you would need to cancel. Get travel insurance for a cruise. It covers you for a lot of things, um, especially medical care on board, which you don't necessarily think you'll need. Um, we had somebody who needed stitches. Um, was a, they were on a, an excursion, very ra- got, got random, something random in thing in the water. They got cut and they it's needed stitches, rebar. and it was four hundred dollars for the stitches. And 
it's not covered by your regular medical Yeah, that's um, a good point. Insurance. Even though your, your, your cruise leaves from the United States and you've got insurance that's good in the United States, once you, the cruise lines won't take your, it won't take it. Mm-hmm. So you figure that $400 was probably more than what it would have been if they had just bought travel insurance for the right. week. And they don't, I mean, they certainly don't deny care, but you, you have, have to, to pay for it. you'll have to pay for it's, it. It's by, it's, you know, a la carte, credit card or cash. Right. Uh, so yeah, so that's a good tip. I tend not to buy travel insurance, but, um, you know, for cruising, I think we're, I'm going to start doing that. Um, number 10, pay attention to special offers like a free alcohol package, specialty dining, excursion discounts, and free Wi-Fi. Um, Norwegian uh, Cruise Line is one of the best for this, especially during shoulder season. We did a, we've gotten uh, the free free alcohol package, I think, every time on Norwegian. Uh, we did, we took a cruise on Royal Caribbean when we went to, to Cuba, and we paid, I think, over $500 for our alcohol package. That's a pretty big chunk. But we were waiting until we got on to see, thinking, oh, the drinks are six dollars, six or seven dollars. They're closer to like thirteen 12. to fifteen. And if you're having even more than one a day, you know, if you want two glasses of wine with dinner, day, it made up for itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's nice to have that. And then the uh, the specialty dining is another factor. Um, the so the main dining room on a ship is the food is really good. The specialty dining we've done it is a notch up, and it's a little bit more of an intimate dinner, maybe for two or for four, whatever the case is. I'd recommend trying both when you're talking about dining because the main dining room is fun. Uh, the portion sizes are small, which means you can have as many appetizers as you want. If you want two lobster tails instead of one, you can, you can get it. I like to get three appetizers because sometimes there are little bits of soup and small bits of this and you're not filling up on appetizers. So, um, but that's, that's a fun, th- that's a fun thing to do. And we did do uh, specialty dining once the steakhouse was, was extra nice. So on to number nine, and speaking of specialty dining, book any of your specialty dining, your trip to the spa, an excursion, even some onboard events um, online and as far in advance as you can, as soon as they post them, because they, they fill up. And if you go to guest services when you get on the ship, First of all, the line will be long because there are lots of and other people who have questions. And then you're and using things. your vacation time to stand in line to book something you could have booked at home. And then you might only, there might be three spots left when you have four people. And then you have to, you know, rally around and figure out, huddle, what you're, what else are you going to do and right. like I what's bet in the, the budget. St- I bet the Stingray City Tour in the, Grand, in the Caymans probably books up before mm-hmm. the ship even, even leaves port. Right. And then you try to get on a wait list. Um, but, you know, certain ships we've been on, especially the newer ones, they'll have special shows on board that you pay a little bit more for, like a wine tasting lunch with a show or whatever. That you have to book and book ahead of time. And mm-hmm. people figure out the good ones and they, they do fill up. So don't make the mistake of trying to figure it all out when you get on board. Uh, spend some time at home online getting it all set up before you beforehand and the cruise lines make it easy to do that to their credit if you're driving to the part uh, to your port which we've done that uh, number of people in the southeastern united states or anywhere early in the country that you're near a cruise port it's nice to save the airfare to get there it's nice to kind of be in your own car to do what you want with your luggage uh, you will have to pay on-site to park of course like anywhere uh, cruise port parking is typically about 20 bucks a day if you do a little homework ahead of time you can get off-site parking that's that's less and also um, offer military discounts yeah and they had yeah uh, we were able to get a military discount at one of the ones in fort lauderdale at port ever uh, port everglades um, and if you're like us and travel we, we live in florida we have we travel with a, we have a permit to carry a firearm we travel with it for our own self-defense you cannot drive onto a cruise terminal 
criminal at all. Even even if you're a law enforcement officer, we ended up traveling. We had parking offsite, which saved us money in the end. So that was good. And we're not talking about bringing a firearm on the ship. We're talking about just having it in your car in, in the complex. And they will, they not will let ask. You bring it on. They'll ask you. So um, so it's you know, if you want to save you a little bit of money, or if you're traveling with a firearm or both, if you're driving a lot of the southeastern states, people do that. Just expect to park offsite, and you'll be you'll be fine. Well, it was very simple. There was a shuttle. We parked the car, locked it up. We we were they were sure that the firearm was secured. We left. We got on without any Easy. problem at all. Yeah, if you've ever used airport offsite, it's the same thing. Offsite parking mm-hmm. is offsite parking. So that's so. Get, but get there early. Um, you know, get a good parking spot because they do that stuff does fill up on, on a big cruise day. Number seven, um, have your passport and paperwork done. Most of the time, if you can get forms filled out. All of those different things, you're not waiting in line as long as you're checking in. Make sure that there's at least six months left on your passport. From the time from you get the, back. From the time you get back, yes. exactly. And check your custody uh, paperwork to make sure that any of your custody documents for your kids, for your kids, taking them out of the country or taking them on a trip with your co parent, make sure those are done. Um, that's a homeland security situation. It has nothing to do with the cruise lines, but you will not be able to take a child off the ship. I mean, onto the ship if it is not, it's not verified. So that's one of the, one of the more important things. And we've seen, I have literally seen it happen happen in a cruise port calling, calling Calling your ex-husband or ex-parent to see your kid's dad and they have to go get a notarized document and then you're spending your day stressed instead of being on the ship enjoying your vacation you're trying to get a notarized document faxed in and it's a real hassle all of that can be done online yeah and kids also need passports you can get a passport card Mm -hmm. um if they're not doing a lot of traveling it's a a picture it it's it's different than the book. You can just choose yeah, you can just, which you way can to do, do it. But, but that take, and, and getting a passport lately, post-COVID, it's about 90 days to get a passport in the U.S. for those of us that are U.S. citizens. I don't know what it's like overseas. I bet it's not great there either. So don't let the missing passport you know, or the missing paperwork thing screw up your vacation. Okay, number six. Uh, pro tip number six. Consider spending an extra day or two. Um, or more. Or more or longer, either coming or going to your cruise. Uh, you're you're flying or driving into Florida. Why not? The areas around the cruise ports, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Jacksonville, are, are really nice places. There's beaches. There's tons of things to do there. Um, so you know, and we found we we did. A, and sometimes depending on when you if you're flying and paying for airfare, you can get cheaper rates say on a Wednesday than if you flew on a Friday. We found that the difference in the airfare paid more than paid for two extra nights of hotel in Miami Beach. So we took advantage of that and worked remotely for two days in December. Yeah. And so I just took my laptop and worked remotely, which is very common these days. You know, Heather would go to the beach. I would work for four or five hours in the hotel room and then go back out to the beach and meet them. But that difference in airfare paid for two nights in Miami Beach of all places, which is not the cheapest hotel town um, in the world. So that's a good tip. It's also nice to get off the ship and have a day or two of vacation before you go home, you know, go to the beach, go fishing. Go to Disney, go to Kennedy Space Center, go to the aquarium in Tampa. The the Florida Aquarium in Tampa is like in the cruise port complex. It's right there. So you could um, just spend the day there? Yeah, just go store your bags and just go right over to the aquarium and then pick up your late flight. And then the difference in airfare and an evening flight would pay for the day, you know, going to the Mm -hmm. the aquarium. So consider that. Don't don't be one of those people that just in and out real quick to go home and come back. Try to to make the most of it. Also, too, if you're in town... 
two, a day, two days before you can schedule your time to embark, um, and get to the cruise port much earlier. You can get onto the ship probably what at 11 o'clock in the morning Yeah, and you can take care of all, you can take advantage of all the amenities on the ship, um, as soon as, as soon as you get on. But that leads me to number five, that once you check in, you will be leaving your luggage with, um, all the baggage handlers and you will not have access to your bags for an hour or more. They have to screen all the bags. They screen yeah. all the bags. They make sure you're not bringing alcohol on or anything dangerous or anything like that. It's, I mean, it's a super safe process. They take it, but if you want to take advantage of the amenities on the ship, you want to swim, you want to get some sun, you'd like to get lunch in um, one of the restaurants. You can do that. You don't have to rush to a buffet and do that. You can have a nice sit down lunch. So either wear your bathing suit on with a cover up that's appropriate for a dining room Make sure you have a bag that has sunscreen and swimsuits and hats, whatever, because you will be you will be separated from your bags for an hour right. or and two. If, if you can thing, get to your room, mm-hmm. but if you don't have anything to, to get. But, and if the things that you need to go enjoy yourself on the ship are in your bags, you're waiting an hour or two for when you're sitting there waiting, you're not on vacation yet at that point. Mm-hmm. You're at yeah, exactly. Point. And that's a common travel tip anyway. Take something with you because you have to consider anytime you travel, you, get, you could get separated from your bags. So medication, mm-hmm. sunscreen, sunglasses. A hat, something to wear, flip flops. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're bringing children along, you know, things, things that they would need. Yeah. yeah, things for them too, for sure. Excursions. So, excursions are a fun part of cruising. That's excursion is when you go to a port and there's things for you to go do. You can book your excursions through the cruise line. Uh, there's a long list of them. It's part of how they make money, they hire people local people to do things. The nice thing about a, an excursion is that the cruise lines have vetted uh, the people, the people, the folks you're going out with, the disadvantage is it can be quite expensive. Uh, and we, you know, we, we found in, in, we were in Havana to have us go out and have five, five of us on a, t- a guided tour for the day through the cruise line was a thousand dollars. We went on TripAdvisor and found somebody for $200 who was local and a lot more uh, honest about it. a lot of things are going on in Cuba. We had a much better cruise uh, excursion next experience of being in, in Havana. Um, other things can happen, though, too. One thing you have to consider when you are on an excursion and there's any kind of trouble with a vehicle or something happens along a the delay. way. A delay of some kind. Um, the people on the ship will wait for a ship hired excursion. They know they're in communication and they know to wait. We were scuba diving in Belize on a cruise once um, and coming back the, 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 the cruise, the dive boat was a twin engine boat. One of the transmissions blew out. They had to switch us to another boat. At that point we were like, if we're late, get well, like we didn't have to, we didn't have to worry about the ship leaving without us. Cause they, we were on a ship's excursion and with a dive company that they used and recommended, which, which I was frankly happy to pay a little extra money for somebody on our, on our boat was on a carnival ship they were holding the entire ship for these two people that were on our boat. The ship was actually pulling away with the door open as we, the anchors coming up as we brought this other couple. They were, they were literally waiting for them. They knew they were coming and the whole ship was waiting for them to get back on after our boat had engine and crapped out. So if you choose to do an excursion yourself, make sure that you leave plenty of time to get back. I mean, any scenario that could possibly happen that you think about that at a time because they don't have to wait for you and you are responsible for paying to get to the next port. You can't just, 
you can't just hop on, you know, quickly or whatever. And and I don't know if it's necessarily the next port or there's a lot of scenarios. Fortunately, we've never had that problem. We did the excursion that we did in Havana. Um, we did go away from the ship, but that ship was staying overnight. So we didn't have the constraints of time. We, we knew we would get back in time for that. So I already mentioned mm-hmm. number three, dining. dining. Um, Your favorite part. I know. Don't just go to the buffet. Um, look for seated dining, especially for lunch. It's really nice. You get on the ship. It's the the most relaxing way to start your vacation. Um, Norwegian Cruise Lines does this. You just try the main dining room. Um, you'll be able to find out which dining room is open for lunch and go yeah, yeah, up and they seated. see you. You get, ser- it's get so served nice. for lunch. It's, it's for lunch. At dinner, you expect it, but a served seated lunch is just a, a great luxury. And you get a really, really nice meal. Right. Rather than just grabbing a piece of pizza from the buffet. Which is great. You have at, a problem with that. You but, know, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, take advantage of everything in the ship, on the ship, because there's so many things to do. You'll have days that you'll just grab something from the buffet. So if you have a chance to go to the dining room, just even on your first um, first meal, uh, that really sets the, yeah, the trip and, off. And you might find on a lot of a lot of the cruise ships have like Irish pubs or taco places. That's all included in your in your package. And you know, would you, if you could have fish and chips in the Irish pub with with a cold beer, is just better than having a piece of pizza and some salad at the buffet with. Everybody there. Well, so. One thing that's really fun if you've not cruised before is the menu doesn't have prices on it because obviously everything in those dining rooms is all inclusive. The portions, as Clark mentioned, are small, which means you can try, if you would like to try four appetizers, you can try four appetizers. The only thing is that they try to time it with everyone else's appetizers. So your friends might want to order four appetizers as well, because otherwise they'll be waiting for you to eat them before the main course comes. But that being said, we did not starve on any cruise. Oh no. Cruises are about eating is the, like the, the varsity sport of cruising. But, it's when fantastic. You're, but when you're on a large boat too, you are doing a lot of walking. Yeah. It's excursions. You don't you're walking for you're miles. Walking. You're swimming probably. I mean, yeah. if you're really, really want to, you can even work out on the ship. There's, there's a gym. There's a walking track, a running track around yeah, basketball. Have, yep. Um, basketball's big. They have nets. A lot of kids, younger kids play basketball. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you that the ships generally have a walking course. Mm-hmm. And okay, this is four, four lapses a mile. And you see lots right. of people, you know, walking and they're enjoying the water. You can see the ocean. Right. Um, it's, that's, that's a lot of fun to do that. Um, I, you know, if you want to try something different, like Heather's point, like if you want to try like lobster bisque or you want to like escargot. We were on a cruise. I had escargot four nights in a row. Love it. But if you always want to try it, you can take one bite. You don't like it, you just send it back. You don't, you don't have to actually pay pay for it. You already paid for it as well, part I, of your package. I remember one night there was a um, a fruit soup as an appetizer. And I was like, you know what? I think I'd like that for dessert. So I just talked to the server and said, I'm gonna I'm gonna want that for dessert. And he, they were totally amenable to that. Yeah, they brought that out for you. Yeah, they're very flexible. You get to know your dining room people pr- pretty quickly too. They're always very nice. I love going to dinner. Yeah, it's fun. And that's our number two. Number two tip is dress up a little bit when you go to dinner. Um, years ago, people used to bring like tuxedos and formal gowns. People don't do that as much. They do have a captain's night, which is they a do. night you're supposed to if dress up. If you want up. to dress up, you can dress up. I love dressing more. up. Yeah, we do too. And you're, you're going to a dining event. I mean, at a minimum, wear a nice pair of jeans and maybe a long sleeve shirt or a collared shirt. 
Uh, ladies might want to wear a dress or a skirt. You know, get your kids in something nice. You know, you'll see people show up in like t-shirts and shorts, and it's just a, the wrong place for that. That's fine for the other areas of the ship during the day, but it's a it's a kind of a deal. And when you're on a ship and you're going to dining, you'll notice it. You'll feel that that hey, this is something you you do dress up for, and that's fun. That's part of the you're dining out really every night, and mm-hmm. certainly that one night that's a formal night, you might want to dress up a little it's more. Very it's it's a nice occasion. It's yeah, very down now, but you you know after you've had a day in the sun doing excursions, you come back, you get a nice shower, you get cleaned up, and you dress for dinner. I think it's just quite fun. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's um, quite nice. It's quite nice. Quite lovely. Quite lovely. All right. Our, our final pro tip. This is our biggest one, Heather. I mean, you, this is this is you number you one. one. Number one. Numero uno. Do not. And I say, do not travel to your cruise on the day it is leaving. A delay can be disastrous. I mean, we've already talked about air travel being a little bit precarious right now as far as delays and cancellations. If you want to show up the day of your cruise and you're delayed and then you're delayed again, you could miss end up missing the ship completely. The entire, the entire cruise. And Especially these days where the airlines are so jacked up right now. Flights are so irre- mm-hmm. irregular. Um, but we'll, we'll see people like the port of Miami, for example, is the biggest port in the world. And it's actually extremely cool to see that many cruise ships in a port that size. There is literally, but there's so many people getting on so many ships. At, they're flying in, their flight gets in at two o'clock and they're getting a cab down to the cruise port. There's literally a traffic jam around three o'clock on big cruise days for people just trying to get into the port. But like you, we mentioned you could before, have been on, you, could, you could have been on at 1130, 11, 11, 11 o'clock. Yeah, you could have already exactly. been on. You're already three drinks in and, you know, two bowls of lobster bisque and somebody else is sitting there stressed out, sitting underneath the underpass coming into the cruise port. Fly the day before spend the night, and then have a nice evening wherever you are, because especially in Florida. Cruise ports in general, there's always something nice to do nearby. They're always in nice places. Right. And then the next morning, you get up leisurely, you get to the ship early, and you get a longer cruise day before you even, even leave port. But we see – and then even checking on, you checking in is a little bit like checking in for an international flight. Uh, you get there at 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. You're, you're, you're going to walk right up, check right in. At 4 o'clock, you might have a 45-minute wait with 10 families in front of you all checking in. Mm-hmm. And checking in is not like checking into a hotel. I mean, they've got to go. Everybody checks in. It's ten minutes to go through everything and give them all their things and, and all ask the all the questions about Are you feeling okay? And you yeah, have nowadays, you know, it's nowadays, worse than ever. it's it's definitely doing all kinds of checks and things. It, it's not hard. It just depending on what time you check in, it will take longer if if you arrive the day of. Yeah, and that's our that's our biggest tip. And with that, we're done with this episode and all 12 of our tips and tricks. Yeah, we, we're doing some research for this. Got us excited about going uh, back on a cruise again. Because uh, we haven't cruised since COVID. We haven't yeah, gone since since before COVID, but we're getting close. We're thinking about going out next fall. So we uh, um, I think we're going to go from Tampa this time because we, uh, we can actually Uber down to the Tampa cruise port, which will be kind of fun. That'll be a different experience for us. So talking about cruises, which can be expensive, our next podcast, number six, yes. will be on – doing Florida on the cheap. This is going to be a fun one. This will be fun because, I mean, having three children, growing up with them, visiting Florida, we were looking Mm -hmm. for things to do that didn't cost anything. So we're going to look those things. um, We have a lot already stacked up, and we're going to do a lot of research for this episode before we we record it. There's a lot of things we figured out and a lot of cool places to go and things to do and ways to go to the beach and go cheap trips to all kinds of things, ways to save money. Because travel is expensive. Yeah, it's fun, and it's an experience. It's better than – it's better than a gift under the tree, though. So yeah, make make the experience make count. Make the experience count. 
So we'll put all the details from that we talked about, some of the different links and things in the episode description. Uh, please check out our YouTube channel, Florida Travel Fanatics, and our website at floridatravelfanatics.com. Uh, there's some cool freebies on there. Uh, we've got a newsletter you can subscribe to, and we've taken some really nice pictures in our travels, and I have turned those into wallpaper for pictures for your phone, tablet, or computer. If you're like me, it's nice to have happy pictures of sandy beaches and sunshine on your phone, especially when you're... Uh, working you know well, the especially like too as the winter time o'clock. it's going to be getting yeah. dark and cold um way up north way up north if you could do us a favor leave a review of our podcast on apple Podcasts, which is the center of the podcast universe it also helps boost our listener awareness and helps promote us with apple podcast and if you're enjoying the podcast please tell your friends your family say hey you should listen to this couple they've got some cool things to say and some great stories to tell and that would certainly help build our audience and support our efforts to bring you some good content about traveling in florida we love traveling in florida we do love it yeah that's why we're, that's why we're doing this yeah definitely okay so great uh, thanks for traveling with us we'll see you next time. All right, sunny days ahead.